0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Reading Project Podcast. We are re-releasing our top three episodes of all time from The Reading Project Podcast in order to celebrate hitting over 10,000 downloads. did number three last week, and today I'm sharing with you the number two most popular episode from The Reading Project Podcast. So today we are sharing from season two, episode 19, four reading error correction tips and tricks with Lindsay Norton. This episode was very popular. It had 248 plays. Thank you so much everyone for listening and make sure you come back next week for the number one episode of all time from the Reading Project Podcast. Enjoy today's episode. (laughs) Hey everyone, welcome to the Reading Project Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley, and your reading tutor, and I am always excited to be here with you today. Thank you so much for listening to the Reading Project Podcast. It's been really fun to watch it grow over the last year, and I'm excited for the few episodes that we have left in 2021, and then we're going to take our winter break for a couple weeks, and I'll see you back in the new year for new episodes. So today I'm going to be talking with a special guest who I met through a Facebook group for educators who believe in the science of reading. Her name is Lindsay Norton, and Lindsay is a former classroom teacher turned private tutor, much like myself. So I love that. I'm excited to chat with her. She's the owner of Kids Tutoring Online, and she educates preschoolers through fifth graders, and she's been doing that since 2014. She's 100% committed to the science of reading and using Orton-Gillingham methods for all students. She's also been working hard on her Orton-Gillingham practitioner certificate at the associate level, and she's going to have that done in 2022, which is really awesome. For those of you listening who uh, don't necessarily know what that means, she's just really committed to learning the Orton-Gillingham methods. She's been taking a lot of training on it, and she's becoming certified at this practitioner level, which is something not everyone does. And I think it's really amazing that she is dedicated and committed and, and willing to go that, that extra mile and get those certifications. So that's amazing. Alright, today we're going to be talking about error correction and feedback for your students and your kids. So when you're reading with your kiddo at home and they make a mistake, what do we do? But before we dive into that, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave us a five star review. Tell me what you're loving about the Reading Project podcast. I really enjoy hearing from you, hearing what parts you like, how it's helping you, and you know, what episodes are your favorite? So it would mean the world to me if you would take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at your reading tutor to let me know that you're listening. And if you want to keep supporting the Reading Project podcast and see more guests coming in and content being created, there is the option on Anchor right now to give some monetary support. So if that's something that you are feeling called to do, you can find that in the show notes. Okay, let's go. Hey there, welcome to The Reading Project Podcast, where I help you build stronger readers one episode at a time. I'm Ashley, and your reading tutor. My experience as an online tutor, classroom teacher, and the mother of a reluctant reader has allowed me to bring a fun and effective approach to building stronger and more confident readers. I created The Reading Project after working with dozens of families in my business that needed support in helping their readers at home. I want parents and caregivers to know that you don't have to be a teacher to help your struggling reader. I'm here to help with book suggestions, homework tips and tricks, tools and ideas for tackling reading, writing, and spelling work at home. I am on a mission to help you develop a culture of literacy and a love of stories with your children. Let's do it. Okay, everyone. I'm super excited for today's episode and I'm ready to get started. So let's jump in. Today, I have Lindsay Norton with me. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for being here.
1: Ashley, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be a part of the Reading Project podcast.
0: Yeah, welcome. Okay, so I'm really excited for today's episode because I know that this is happening all the time at home that kids are parents are reading with their kids and they're not really sure how to handle it when they make a mistake. But before we get too far into that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and sort of how you came to where you are now.
1: Sure. Okay, so I graduated from University of South Florida back in 2014. Um, I taught as a classroom teacher for several years after that. From there, I started my private tutoring business. I tutoring online in 2019 and uh, just recently added a second tutor, Teacher Christoph, Really <laughs> lucky to have him on board. He's great. And um, I'm currently going through the practicum with the Orton Gillingham uh, Academy so that I can be a dyslexia practitioner um, on face to Be certified in 2022.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Congratulations on bringing on another tutor. I know that's a really exciting part um,
1: in business. <laughs> It's, it's so exciting. It really is. Thank you. I think it's
0: great when you, you're doing something so well that you're attracting more people than you can serve and you're able to find another tutor to come onto your team that, you know, you feel really aligned with and that you can feel comfortable passing those
1: clients to. Absolutely. It's all about trust. You gotta bring, bring out someone you trust and know.
0: (laughs) Right, right. That's fantastic.
1: Okay. So let's go ahead
0: and start talking about Error correction and how parents should handle it if they're reading with their kids and their kiddo makes a mistake.
1: Yeah, okay. So, well, error correction is something that I'm really passionate about because it's all about providing students with direct and meaningful feedback um, I, I know for years when I was a classroom teacher, I used curriculums that really gave either zero guidance or just plain unhelpful guidance, um, about what to do if a student makes a mistake while they're reading. So the curiosity and wanting to do better for my students ultimately led me to find what I believe is uh, the answer. And I completely credit my Orton Gillingham training with this knowledge. This is not something that I made up or invented. I'm just running with it right now because it, you know, it's making me feel empowered and I see the payoff with students and how they respond to it. And I will say also, while I certainly believe that anyone teaching kids how to read should have some knowledge of the rules and exceptions in our language, anyone can apply these error correction tips and tricks that I'm going to talk about today. So I have four tips actually. So, (laughs) tip number one is if you do not want to be the teacher or tutor or parent that only says, Try again, which can honestly sometimes be, I think, a cop out and what someone might say if they don't know what else to say. I know I certainly have said that before when I don't know what else to say. So instead, what you can do is identify and isolate exactly what it was that they did wrong, where it was that they went wrong. Um, Point to that part of the word, get the student to look at it, and ask the student, what's the sound? And then once they give you the sound that you want them to give you, acknowledge that that's correct, that's right, and then have them read the entire word. So you know you may need to explain a little bit to your student when you when you say what's that sound, what that what you mean by that?" um but most most students kind of know what you're talking about, but you may need to say something like, "Okay, what I mean is what sound do you make when you see that letter?" So like let's say, for instance, if they if they read the word "pat" as pot," So, the word was pat, but they said pot out of their mouth. They missed the vowel. So, A vowel was the vowel they missed. So, I take my finger or pencil or whatever, point to that vowel in the middle and ask them what's the sound, and um, get them to say ah. And once they say ah, you say good job. Now, what's the word? Oh, pat. And then, you know, so that's just a way for them to kind of be corrected without you just telling them try again, which can be a little bit vague or unhelpful. And I'm now. not saying I never say try. Never I never say try again. Sometimes I do. Yeah. Um it's certainly better and I think a little softer than just no or wrong, right. which is very negative. Right. Um, Try again while that, yeah, it actually gets them to perform an action. It's, it's really just kind of unhelpful, I think. And it's vague and it doesn't get to the root of exactly what it was that they did wrong, what you want them to fix. So by, by pointing to the actual letter that they missed, it's, I think it's more emotionally sound and it's just good coaching.
0: Yeah, excellent. I definitely will start to think about that more. I think when I'm doing my tutoring, because I've definitely used the word, the phrase try again as a transition away from saying no, right? Or just like, you know, moving away from just the negative feedback saying, oh, let's look at that again. Did that sound right? Try again. You know, I think this is great to really isolate the the exact spot that the error was. And I think it probably depends on your student too, and how well you know them. And are they just rushing? Did they really miss the vowel? You know, that kind of thing. So...
1: Absolutely. You you certainly know your student, and um, I think most parents and educators do, and sometimes it really is just they heard the door shut and looked behind them, and it's not that they don't know the phonetic skill. They just got distracted, in which case, yeah, I think try again would be a totally appropriate response if they missed the word for, for, you know, a reason like that.
0: Great. Okay. Tip number two, what do you got? Okay.
1: Tip number two is really easy for anybody to implement. If you notice that your students are reversing B's and D's and P's and Q's, which is really common, you can point to the letter that they reversed, make sure that the student looks at it, and then ask them to trace that letter with their two fingers on their table or on the surface you're working on three times while they're making the sound. So if they say, big and the word was dig
0: right so if the word is big and they say dig
1: right so if yes if the word is big and they say did well okay so the b was what they missed so you want them to trace the b three times while they're saying buh 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 and then have them look up at the word and uh, read the word again Mm
0: -hmm. great Yeah, yeah that sounds awesome
1: and that's something that's really You
0: know, you don't really, like, need any supplies. It's totally doable. And, you know, just by using your fingers on the table or something, it it adds a little element of play or fun to it.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it can be done pretty quickly, too. It's just something that takes just a little bit of time and gets them to to really um, think about what, it, what, what letter it is and, uh, you know, helps with those reversals, which, like I said, are really common. And a lot of students make those mistakes even up into the higher grades. And so just having them look at the letter you want them to fix, try that tracing real quick, and then go back to the word and you're off and running back to your activity.
0: Okay, great.
1: So tip number three is a little bit more complicated. It maybe requires a little bit of background knowledge of the English language, but it's still very doable, I think. I, so what I will say is, if you, if you have ever been frustrated, like me, <laughs> um, because as a result of being told by your student, that's what I said, or I just said that, when you're correcting them, just by simply telling them the word, um, try this. You can start by asking them what the rule is. So, of course, in this case, you will need to know the rule yourself and whether or not the student knows the rule. By assuming that they're aware of it, right, you're basically putting it back on them without indirectly accusing them of making a mistake, I have found that when I just tell my student the word that they missed and give it to them, I'm doing two things. One, I'm depriving them of the opportunity to learn from their mistake because I'm doing all the work for them. Right. <laughs> and two, it opens up the door for a debate, which we do not want to invite. They may see it, like, as an opportunity to save face and argue um, that what you just told them to say was, in fact, what they said. And I think at at this point, your only comeback is really, "Mm, no, what you said was this, and what you need to say is that. (laughs) Right, right. Um, So instead, if you know you have taught them the rule... To figure out that particular word, then um, you can ask them to tell you the rule. And the, you know, this leaves no real room for argument because you haven't told them the word. You're just asking them to produce something for you. So for instance, if the student reads the word cent, like one penny, one cent as Kent, then you can point to the C and just point to it and don't say anything, or just say, what's the rule with C? And if that doesn't get them there, then you can probe further by saying, okay, what's the rule with C before an E, I, or Y? Mm-hmm. And if this still doesn't work, <laughs> you can um, initiate the rule for them and invite them to finish it, finish your sentence. So you could say something like, okay, finish my sentence. C says with an, and if they don't say E, I, or Y at this point, then I would just tell them the entire rule. C mm-hmm. says with an e i or y. Repeat that. Get them to repeat it and then go back up to the word and at this point most students are like, "Oh, sent." The word is sent. So that's just something that you can like a kind of a little routine that you can do without just telling them that the, the the word is sent. And then in which case if you say sent, they can they can they can come back at you and say, "I did say sent." <laughs> right, <laughs> and right. And where exactly. do you go from there? But yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I know I've definitely been stuck in that situation and then have to say something like, "Um, well, let me just turn up my volume. Maybe I misheard you, you know?
1: (laughs) Yes, of course, of course. And I have been certainly trained to always put it on to ourselves, like as teachers and tutors, definitely say something exactly like what you just said. Oh, I misheard you, or I think my volume wasn't high enough. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I just want you to repeat it again to make
0: sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's okay sometimes. I I definitely do that sometimes. Yeah, There's no rule to apply, especially with the word And I think, would you have any resources
0: or if there's any websites or guidance for families who don't feel like they
1: know the rules, but they want to know the rules? Where should they go to get that information? Well, I will tell you, my knowledge is coming from a whole mix of different places. I have definitely read the book, Teaching with Love and Logic. I think that you can get down a rabbit hole with that. Like if you aren't going to use their whole curriculum, it, you can feel like you're a little bogged down in it. Um, yeah. But it is helpful. It, it is helpful for learning the rules of the English language. Emily Labelaw, she is a tutor out there who has a ton of resources. I think that they're all free. I don't think you have to pay for them. And then, um, of course, if you
0: are working with a tutor, right, you can ask the, the tutor for help with that. You know, what specific rules are you working on in your sessions and and help have them. Help you with that. I've definitely done that for families or clients I've had in the past where they really want to use the same language
1: we're using in session. So I've sent them like the pattern chart we're using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And parents can also, um, you know, to make the, the tutor's job easier and the parent's job easier as well is kind of like take like a running record, like a running list of the words that their, their child or student is missing and reading incorrectly and then just kind of be like, hey, these are the words that my, my student is misreading. Do you notice any trends here? What's the, what are the patterns here that my kid needs help with? That can be very helpful, I know, for me. I mean, that's what we, that's what we are doing as tutors, right. but, um, that can also be helpful coming from the parents parents so that we can see you know what what language to give the parents Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely okay this has been great so far
0: I'm excited to hear
1: the tip number four Okay, so tip number four is all about incidental correction. So this Mm -hmm. is a tip that I got from Debbie Helplewhite at Phonics International. And it is the gist of it is if you get to a word while reading that you know they don't know or you know that they haven't been taught yet, you can highlight or underline the part of the word that they are confused by and say, in this word, these letters are code for And then give them the sound. So, like, for instance, if the word is laugh and they are confused by the GH, you can say in this word, the letters GH are code for and then you could have them repeat it and then read the word. But that's just something that you can do incidentally as it pops up. You don't have to have a whole, you know, like a whole phonics lesson about GH. You can just kind of introduce that skill to them. So, you know, maybe they'll become more familiar with it and notice it. You know, later on and just something that may be helpful for them if you don't want to go into a whole spiel about. Yeah, that. exactly. And
0: I feel like that's a really good phrase that parents could quickly learn and remember, you know, with a little bit of practice um, mm-hmm. in this word, these letters and then say what, what sound they make. And mm-hmm. it's also very casual. It, it's not like a big deal. Like if you're a parent and you're reading with your kid, like you can just say it, they repeat the sound and then you move on and it doesn't have to be anything stressful.
1: Exactly. And that's what we want is reading to not be stressful. Yes,
0: exactly. Fantastic. These are awesome tips. I am really excited to share this with our listeners. So I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about putting on my mom hat for a minute and like thinking about reading with my kids and some of my clients. I wonder if people are going to be wondering, should I always correct mistakes my child is making or is there a time when it's okay to let it go?
1: I will say, coming from Morton-Gillingham training, I will say it's never okay to let it go. Because that is when you get, that is when we get students that are replacing the word they, the, with a, or this with that. And those little errors that can become A nightmare to fix later on when they're really starting to, to read for meaning instead of learning to read. So I would say, you know, that's, it is, reteaching reading is a big job. And that's why I think it's so important to start with where the student is at. But no, to answer your question, I I don't think I would just let it go. If if a student was making so many mistakes in a text that I gave him, that would be my note to self: this is too difficult for them, and this is a book that maybe I need to be reading to them. They 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 can probably understand the text. It just um, they they should be given the information from a fluent reader. I think. Yeah, no, I'm going to say no. There's, there's never a time. I don't think when you, I can't think of a time when you could just, should just let it go.
0: I think that's totally okay to say no. (laughs) I, it may be an unpopular opinion. I'm not sure what other people would say. I think what you said at the end, where if, if you're reading with your child or with a student and they are making so many mistakes that it's, you notice that there's frustration happening and stress, that text is too hard for that student. And then your job, right, as the adult, is to say we're going to try something different you know whether it's changing the text or like you said you reading out loud to them um, or sometimes like for my daughter who's five and only learning like sight words I might say can you look for the word the because I know she knows that one and I'm going to read the rest if you see it let me know you know and and let her feel success and feel like we're reading it together and she's participating with something that she can feel confident about Absolutely,
1: and you know, of course, it's all the like all about it being emotionally sound. And I don't think that I would take a book away from them. Not that you were implying this at all. Uh, yeah. But I don't think I would take a book away from them. Like while they're reading it, I think I would let them finish it for that day, and right. then maybe just put it away for a little while, or ask them if they wanted me to read the book to them. And if they yeah. say no, I want to read. I mean, at this point, if the, if the book is too hard, the student is is going to likely understand. Like, yeah. I think that they will get that. Um. Yeah. Yes.
0: And often I'll say to my students, how, how does this feel to you? Does it feel too hard? Does it feel just right? Does it feel easy? You know, what do you think? And thankfully, you know, this just right book, this conversation of picking a just right book has been around long enough now that most kids know that phrase, you know, and they know, oh, it's actually too hard, you know, (laughs) and they'll admit it. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, and I think especially the last, Tip you gave parents, like that's a way to correct in a really conversational way that doesn't necessarily have to put you in like a teacher role. You don't have to necessarily know like exactly all the rules. You just have to know, well, in this word, it sounds like this letter,
1: you know, or it sounds so exactly. And you know, I just thought of something I wanted to say too. Uh About, okay, so my my answer being no, that there really should never be a time to let a mistake go. The other thing that I think is really important to mention about that is um, that when we're teaching reading, we're teaching for accuracy first, so we want to make sure that we're setting students up for success by making sure that they are reading and decoding the words accurately, correctly, um, because from there becomes automaticity. So first accuracy and then automaticity. And so the, the thing is students can't read with automaticity if they can't read with accuracy. So teaching them decoding is teaching them fluency and comprehension because we're setting them up for success to be able to become really good, strong, fluent readers.
0: Yeah, I love that. First, accuracy and then automaticity.
1: Yeah. That's great.
0: I love that. I haven't heard it. I had never heard it phrased like that before, but um, it totally makes sense. And I think when you think about it that way, like coming from a parent's perspective, it's super important, right? You know, when you think about all the things your child is going to be doing as they grow up and go out into the world. Because I feel like that's what most parents are thinking about when they think about reading. Like my kid has to learn to read, so they will be a successful (laughs) Adult person
1: someday. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. That's what we're doing That at the end of the day. I mean, yeah, of course, reading for enjoyment is big, but then we're also doing something much bigger, which is, yes, yeah, like you said, setting them up for success in the big wide world for independence.
0: Right, absolutely. I had a client that came to me with uh with an older child who was really struggling with reading and the child wanted to be able to go to a sleepaway camp in another state, required a flight away. And the parent was like, I just need to be sure that he can confidently read the signs in the airport to get around, you know? So super important. (laughs) So accuracy, um, you know, when you put it that way and you think about you know, why is it important to be accurate when you're reading something like reading a sign in an airport could make a big difference in your your outcomes. (laughs) Absolutely, for sure. (laughs) Awesome. Well, this was amazing. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for all of those tips. That was really great. And I like to sort of wrap up each episode by talking about books, because I think it's just a really fun way to share books with listeners and If you have, like, a favorite childhood book or a picture book or a chapter book you're reading with your students right now um, that you could share, that would be great.
1: Yeah, I do. Um, When I was a classroom teacher, this one was always a hit, and it was a lot of fun for me to read it, too. The title is The Jolly Postman or Other People's Letters. (laughs) And it's really cute because it is like this narrative story about a postman who delivers letters to characters from classic fairy tales and there are actually like envelopes stuck in the book with like letters and in, tucked inside. Well oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really cute. It's very engaging for the kids. And so, but it is a picture book. It's not a chapter book. It's a little bit more, I don't know, advanced. I don't know if I'd maybe, probably wouldn't read it to maybe like a two or three year old. I mean, maybe you could, I guess you could. (laughs) But I think it would be really peak interest would be maybe like second or third grade.
0: Ah, fantastic. I'm definitely going to check that out. I haven't heard of it. Kind of reminds me of the book uh, Nibbles. Have you ever heard that book? Oh, no, <laughs> I
1: haven't heard of nibbles. Let me add
0: it to my list. <laughs> well, he's like this little monster that likes to nibble on books. And so in the book, you know, there's like actually like a hole where he like nibbled through the book and then he nibbles into other fairy tale books. So then like he's in Little Red Riding Hood and you know, and so within the book there's like another little smaller book, you know, inside it where he's like in they've, you know, drawn him in the illustrations and So super cute.
1: (laughs) That sounds adorable and a really good opportunity for compare and contrast. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes.
0: Yeah. You know, I think, you know, we kind of say that joking, like compare and contrast, but those are the kind of opportunities that I think parents sometimes don't realize you know, can be really important. And it's a really good teaching moment um that you can have with your child that doesn't have to feel awkward or, you know, you have to feel like, Oh, I'm not a teacher. I can't do it. Like you're reading this book together and, and it's, it could be easy enough to just say like, how how is this book with nipples in it different than when he's not in it, you know? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And how, yeah. How did the author set up this part of the book compared to this part of the book? But yeah, certainly um, yeah. conversation can kind of just come up, can come about when you have two texts that are easily, um, when they work well together. Right. Right. And and that's what we're all about here at the reading
0: project podcast. We want to empower families and caregivers and parents To, to believe that they can step into that role to support their learners at home because even if you think, well, I'm not a teacher, you actually were their first teacher. So,
1: so you don't worry about your kid. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Parents are the first teacher and they know, they know so much more, I think, than the teachers know. They, they see the whole child. They can see the whole student and everything that comes with it. All right.
0: Well, this has been fantastic, Lindsay. If people want to find you on the Internet or on social media, where should they go to to follow along in your teaching journey?
1: Okay, so I can be found on KidstutoringOnline.com. And I have, so I have a website, a Facebook page and an Instagram, which I update occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not really very good with that, but, um, so anyways, yeah, that's where I can be found. And then also, like we were talking about earlier, there's a group for tutors. If anyone can really join and yes. it's the science of reading for private online tutors. Great.
0: Awesome. We will make sure to include all of those links in the show notes. So, all right. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thanks for being here.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Ashley. Appreciate it.
0: All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. I think it's a topic that's really important to discuss. As a educator and as a mom, I know that I, you know, I sometimes wonder what is the best way to correct my own children. So if you're out there listening and you're a mom and you're thinking, Well, I'm not a teacher, but I read with my kids every day and I want to support them in the best way possible, then this episode is absolutely for you because I think Lindsay gave us some really amazing tips. She gave us four tips for how to correct or give feedback when your child says a word wrong when you're reading together. So make sure you tune in and listen to the whole episode so you can hear all four tips. And she's going to send us A link to a video she did, so if you're a really visual person and you want to see her actually talking through and using these correction techniques, you can see that, as well as uh, we're going to share some graphics on social media, so make sure you head on over to Your Reading Tutor on Instagram so that you can find the graphics and and see how to make these corrections. My favorite tip that she said was tip number four, where she talked about incidental correcting. And I think that one's going to be really key for families and caregivers. That's where you are listening to your child read or you're reading with them, and you just say to them, in this word, and you have the word there, these letters. So you tell them which letters they're having trouble with. She used the example of, of the word laugh. In this word laugh, these letters, H." Our code for, they're using this sound, laugh. So it's not a big phonics lesson. There's not a lot of pressure. You know, you are just sort of casually, conversationally, helping your child figure out that complicated word or that word that they had trouble with. So that was my favorite thing, my favorite tip. And then I also loved when she said, as. People who are teaching reading, whether you're a homeschooler, an educator, mom, caregiver, we are supporting our children in learning how to read. We are first teaching them to read accurately and then helping them to read with automaticity. And they can't read with automaticity if they aren't reading accurately. All right. This was a great episode. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And I would love to know what tip you found the most useful and which one you're going to be using with your own children and students this week. Okay. Until next time, keep reading. Thanks so much for listening. And if you know anyone who might be interested in joining us and listening in on my podcast, I would love for you to share it. And I'd also love to connect with you on social. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. All my links are in the show notes. Make sure you head over to my website at www.yourreadingtutor.com to sign up for my newsletter so you'll be notified when new episodes come out and any new promotions or services that I'm offering. You can also find my free signature three-step reading reward system on my website. You'll be able to download it and just get started right away, helping your struggling reader to reach their potential. Keep reading. See you next time.